So Jesus went to Capernaum. Capernaum is a, a very, very important place um, because Jesus spent a lot of time there ministering to people. It's a place that we don't often read about today, but it's an important place uh, for us as Christians, as believers in God, to turn to the Bible and see this place that was affected. It was a place where Jesus was. It was important because Jesus was there. And God has a very powerful message for us today through Jesus and what he did there and what happened there today. And so we want to concentrate on listening to the words that God is going to speak to us in these words that were just read read to us. It says, they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And so Jesus entered into this, this synagogue and was teaching there. And a synagogue has a very interesting kind of a history. I don't have time to go into a lot of it, but the synagogue actually evolved out of a frustration on the part of Pharisees with the corrupt priests who were serving in the temple. It was a reaction to the corrupt hearts of the priests that were in the temple, and so they created these synagogues where they could come together and they could talk about the law of God to people and to speak to them. So they didn't feel that the temple was really being used in the right way, and so they created this other place called a synagogue where people would come and listen to someone talk about the law of God. They would not only do that, they worship there. Uh, but they were a place where Jesus would go and he would speak, he would teach there. So there was teaching that went on there. And there were different people, the Pharisees, mostly the scribes, who would come there and then they would expound on the, the law. And so this is what Jesus did. He went into a synagogue to teach. And we're going to hear about the authority of his teaching today. It says in verse 22, they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Well, the scribes were known, and they were actually legendary and had great prestige because they could speak well. They were very learned. No one could say and recite the scriptures better than they could. They stood in a tradition of the fathers. And so they were referring to the fathers and would recall the things that the fathers of the faith said. But here is the difference. Here is the difference. Jesus received his authority from the Father. Not from the fathers, the human fathers of the faith. He received his authority from the Father. And so there was a big difference on that day when they heard him and they they were astonished at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority and the authority that he had was from the Father. God the Father. And that was the authority that he spoke with. The scribes derived their authority, their power from the Torah, the law, but Jesus appeals to a superior authority resident in himself. 
And so you can imagine the difference, the difference here is that when they heard Jesus speak, they heard it from God. It wasn't him referring to someone else and referring to the law and the law of Abraham or of Moses and the fathers of the faith like that. It was straight from God. And so they were hearing and listening to God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is God? And when he speaks to us, then we need to have that also, that in mind, that astonish- we are listening to God. And he speaks to us. The scribes were in a temporal realm. There was this, there's the kingdom we talk about. Jesus was advancing the kingdom of God. But there's a temporal realm, and the scribes belong to the temporal realm here in this section of the scripture. In contrast to the case of the demon-possessed man who represents the supernatural realm, and we're going to get to that soon. They read the law, the scribes read the law, the fathers, Jesus spoke to the one, to them as one who had authority of himself. He did not have to speak as a man of a historic, a historian or an authority in that kind of way who studied the scriptures. He was the scriptures. And it was evident to the people that heard him that day that there was a difference that way. He was the son of God. His authority came from being the Son of God, and he was there among them that day to teach them. William Lane is a, a brilliant scholar, and he wrote a wonderful commentary on Mark, and he brought up something that I think is very, very helpful for us. He said the reaction of the people there and their astonishment was of disturbance. They were disturbed in their lives. They were disturbed listening to the teaching of Jesus. It means that sometimes we think of that as in a negative way. Yes, it can be that kind of a way, even here, but it meant that it shook them up. He was not coming as the the scribes came and they recited the things and they told them the things of that nature of the of the law of God. And the people went back home and they they thought, okay, we have to learn this. Jesus came and he shook them up with the law. He came into their lives and he said, not today. You're not going to go home today leaving here without hearing from God. And I am here to be that for you, to be that which you are looking and longing for. We're talking about longing for. They were longing for something and they came there and you can imagine, you know, listening to people going on and on and you're thinking, wow, these people are really, really knowledgeable. And then comes someone who brings the words to life. I can remember there was a, a very talented musician, friend of mine. Um, he's still alive. <laughs> um, but when we were young, he came in and he went to school for music. And uh, at that time, we were in high school. And he, he said, I have this guy, this, this uh, professor in school, and he is just so great. I want him to come and work with our choir. And his name was Abramson this professor, and the thing that stood out and the thing that he was so excited about was that this professor Abramson would come in and he would, instead of lecturing the people sitting in their choir seats and then they would just be there and they would listen to him and then they would sing, he got them out of their seats and he had them being music in their bodies. 
moving to the rhythm and using their hands and clapping their hands and stomping their feet and moving around to feel the rhythm and all the things that incorporate the music. And he brought a whole new dimension to the things that the people were doing there. Why? Because he engaged them with what he had to say. He engaged them and encouraged them that there was more to music than just singing the notes and learning the right notes. He engaged them to see that life, that music was life. And it had to be lived that way. It had to be sung that way. It had to be expressed that way. And it changed everybody in our choir and took us away from being there properly seated and singing the words into people who were living it. And that, to a certain degree, certainly not on the same level, but that is exactly, you know, the kind of a spirit at least that helps us to understand what happened to the people who heard Jesus that day. He didn't just tell them things so that they could hear it and say, okay, I learned that, and then they forget it. Probably even as quickly as it was spoken out of the mouth of some of the scribes, they would just forget about it because it didn't strike them. It didn't disturb them. It didn't go to their hearts. It didn't give them something to feel. They were just hearing words from these scholars, and it didn't make any impression on them. God comes into our life through Jesus Christ to disturb us in our lives, not to let us just go on the way that we are. He comes with a message for us that is life-giving and powerful. And he says, don't you dare think that that the things that I'm teaching you are just simply to be in your minds. You are to live them in your lives. And that is the difference. That is the authority. That is the teaching of Jesus Christ. It is life-giving It is disturbing, taking us away from sinfulness and bringing us into purity and holiness and all the things that go with God. So these people were alarmed. This person actually cares about us. This person actually cares what happens to us. He's teaching us things that we have to change in our lives that we have to do things differently, that we can't just be the way that we are, we can't just go on the way that we are. That is real belief. That is real faith. Those are the things that we want. I want to know something that's going to be challenging me in life and making me feel good about life and feeling that I'm going to do something with my life instead of just thinking that there's so many people and scholars that know more than I. God does not want us to be that way, brothers and sisters. He wants us to be alive and living the, the, the belief and the faith with the power that he possesses to take us away from this world that seeks to, in violent ways, to destroy and to take away life. God comes and he says, I'm going to give life to you. And all you need to do is listen to my son. Listen to him. Listen to what he has to say. Pay attention to the Bible and what the words say there. Here is my son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to what he has to say. Not merely so that you will become smarter, so that you will understand the meaning of life and who you are, and that there is a great future for you because of me and the great things that I want to do for you. What what a great God to say, I long to give you grace and compassion, and the people didn't do it. They didn't respond. They said, no. And he's saying, I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting you with open arms to give you my best, to give everything that you... And you say, no? Why?
One of the other things that Mr. Lane said was Jesus' authority was not merely the power to decide, but to compel decision. He spoke in a way not merely to help you to understand and to understand what was 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 being said in that regard, but to compel you to make a decision in your life. And so when we listen to Jesus, it is not merely so that we understand what love and things like that. It is a decision to love, to take what we've been given and to pass it on and to give to others and to live it out. He's bringing us a decision. Will you follow me or not? Do you love me or not? Or are you going to just stay in the the realm of the stay the same, be comfortable in what I, what I want to do, reject God, and reject blessing? His authority, says Lane, presupposes a commission and authorization from God inseparable from the proclamation of the kingdom drawn near. It is a commission of God to take you in your life and to make you a disciple, that you have a commission in life, that that is the reason for your life. That is the reason you're alive. To take this commission of God and to bring it into the world and to share the gospel that changes lives. To tell people it's not just about all these things that you're seeing going on in the world and all the violence. That belongs to Satan. That belongs to the prince of darkness. You are not meant for darkness and the prince of darkness is going to have an end. So don't worship him. We worship you. We worship you. With all that I have. What do you have? Who are you? What do you have? Are you giving it to him? Are you worshiping him with it? He calls us to that. He calls us to a decision. His words are not lifeless. They're challenging for our good, for the good of the kingdom of God. He commissioned people and said, I will make you fishers of men. Are you coming? And they threw down their nets and they followed him. Why? Because they knew that he was God. They knew there was something different about this man. It wasn't just a commanding ability to speak. It wasn't just a a human ability to be able to be charismatic and tell people, I can help you to be successful in life. No! And I'm saying that with conviction to all those people who are following people and gurus around the world that are saying, I can give you success. I can tell you what to do so that you can be wealthy and you can be all well off and you can have success in life and I can do all those things. They are not telling the truth. Jesus gives 
success through his own life. Who are you listening to? Who are you following? Right? That's what Jesus is saying. Gets up there in front of those people. You've been listening to the scribes say this. This is what I say. Right? Immediately there was in their synagogue a man. Immediately a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, you the Holy One of God. Right at that moment, he's teaching the people all these different things. And what happens? Right? I know who you are. This man comes forward and there's a, there's this spirit living inside. An unclean spirit, a demonic spirit comes in and he starts to call out, not the man himself, but this voice of the demon living in this man. He was totally overcome by this spirit, this unclean spirit. He comes forward. Why do you think that happened? Because Jesus was speaking with authority. He came to disturb. He came to disturb the lives of the people there. The people that, that were the scribes were, were talking. Did the demons come out and speak to them? Did the demons come out and say, Who are you? I know who you are. You're speaking the words of God. You are the Son of God. No. It came because they actually saw that there was someone there that could threaten them. The demons felt disturbed because they saw that he was for real, that it was the Son of God, and they knew him by name. The Pharisees know. The people came there every day. The man with the unclean spirit, still there, always there. But when Jesus came, it changed it. Because he spoke with authority. He was the Son of God. He's the Holy One of God. People go on in life and they look for things that are going to be able to help them to maintain the status quo. I want a little bit of improvement. I want to make a little bit more. Or I want to do this or I want to do that. But Jesus says, I want all of you. I want all of your life. And you're going to pay attention to what I tell you to do. And Jesus says to the Spirit, be silent. Come out of him. Shut up. Come out of this man. And the Spirit obeys. This unclean spirit obeys the authority of the Son of God and comes out of that man. And this is not just some kind of a story that we can hear about, a supernatural thing happening, that is exactly what happens in us. Don't you be misled. This story is not just talking about some kind of a, of, of a, an extreme kind of a case where, oh, that happened to that guy and, you know, he was freed of an unclean spirit. No. We are, we are to understand it that that is exactly the kind of an unclean spirit that is living inside of us when we do not believe in Jesus Christ. When we live in this world, when we are allowing all of the things in this world to make our decisions for us, to do all those kind of things, to just go along with the flow and completely ignore the purpose for what we are here for, which is to worship and give glory to God with our lives. And the only way that we can do that is by coming to Christ. Because He is the Son of God. 
Jesus here, we can see this, this, this is a very important point that he spoke the word and he taught them, right? In the, and, and it was like to, to the scribes were, were the ones in the first part of this, this you know, the, the scripture that teaches us this is to, to show that yes, his teaching was that way, but now we see it extended into the work of God in conquering evil. The exorcism that took place here, this exorcism, presents the gripping conflict between the kingdom of God and the dominion of Satan between the one anointed with God's spirit, Jesus Christ, and those held captive by unclean spirits. It's inbreaking of God's kingdom in Jesus. Not in the human arena, but in the cosmic arena. The demons recognize mission and authority of Jesus before humanity does. The demons recognize Jesus as the Holy One before the humans do. So we see that there's this cosmic battle going on for our lives. Jesus establishes this kingdom of his in this kind of a way. It's both in the teaching, in the realm, in this this kind of a temporal realm, like if the scribes did, he teaches in this kind of a level, but then also in the work by this exorcism of unclean spirits. He has the sovereign authority of God. And that is what he's doing there. The Spirit tries to disarm Jesus by identifying him. He tries to distract Jesus. He tries to distract Jesus from his purpose and from his coming into him and destroying him. I have to excuse me, my grandson is here. Okay. (laughs) Maybe God wants to calm me down a little bit. They called him out and they called him the Holy One not out of respect or out of, out of worship. They, they did it to distract him so that he would not do the things that he was coming to do. That he would destroy them. That he would remove them from this human being. Can you imagine what it must have felt like to have been possessed by such an evil spirit, an unclean spirit like that, and to be freed from it? And Jesus just simply said those words, be silent, come out of him. He didn't say, in the name of Abraham. He didn't say, in the name of Moses. He didn't say, in the name of the fathers. And all these other things, there were other people that did exorcisms in that time, and they would call on the power of all these, all these other things. He simply said it himself. You understand? He said it himself. He didn't need to call upon anything. He, he was the power. He was the one that possessed the power to release that man from his unclean spirit, and brothers and sisters, he is the one who possesses the power 
to release that, those unclean spirits in you and in me. He's the only one. Jesus silencing the demon was an aspect of a conflict that has cosmic dimensions. Think about that. The sustained encounter of the Son of God was Satan. And the people were astonished. They weren't just astonished like, wow, look at that. They were like astonished, like, I'm disturbed. I don't know what that means. This is just crazy. What is going on here? What is he trying to do? What is, what is happening here that he can say these words like that? And then this demon comes out. Do you know what the Pharisees did and the scribes did? They came to Jesus and they investigated. They were disturbed too because they heard that he was doing these things. Do you remember the stories in the Bible that talk about that? Where they come and they're like, what is, on what authority are you doing these things? And they had the nerve to say that he was doing it under the power of the devil. That is, the, that, that is the complete picture of how dark and how blind the people were at that time. And now today as well. They come and they question, they think, okay, so what is going on here? And what, what authority are you doing that? And actually it led to, eventually to the demise of Jesus. But in the power of God and because of his plan to, of salvation, it worked in our favor because Jesus went to the cross destroying death. Destroying evil, destroying Satan, and one day he will have an end. The people were astonished. The same authority of Jesus' teaching was demonstrated in his word of command to the demon. There was only the word. Just the word. He didn't have to do anything, physical or anything. He just spoke the word, and they respond with astonishment. What is this? A new teaching with authority. Something is going on here. And brothers and sisters, we need to have that in mind in our daily lives. I know that we're only human, right? We're only human. And and you feel like, there's only so much I can take. And I'm with you. I understand that. I get tired too. I get worn out from the emotions of the daily grind and the things that go on and the things that you're facing. I get that. Everybody is talking like this, like it's, we're so tired and we're so, you know, we're so exhausted and everything like that. But man, you have to believe that Jesus Christ is greater than all of these things that are happening in the world. He that is in me is greater than those who are in the world. He is greater than all of those things. He possesses the power to take you and to lift you out of the things that you're, that you're struggling with and all the things that are coming in like that. In fact, he uses those things to speak to your heart so that you can know more about him and you can, you can be changed in your heart so that your life will be free from those things that are dragging you down. I can tell you honestly that yesterday I had this sense of an oppression of an unclean spirit. It was something that was taking my mind off of the things and I was, I was, I was there, but, it, and, and I, and I, I was functioning, but there was something going on in me and I really believe that it was God coming to me and disturbing my life with that so that I would learn what is important in life and it was to love. The thing that was really getting me down was this, this, this disconnect with love. It wasn't, it wasn't about love. It was something else that was making me feel upset and it was, it was getting in the way. And God came in and took it, took me and, and helped me and guided me so that I would be able to see things in a different way. And so that all of the things that were weighing down upon me so heavily 
really became something that was quite beautiful, and I was able to see light, and there was an opening, and there was something that was lifted away, and, and it has to do with God working in my life. I know that. And he does that, and I can tell you that from experience, that we are going to have those problems. We're going to face those times. But Jesus is there with you, and he desires and longs to give his grace to you, to show you compassion, to lead you in the way everlasting. But this is the other part. He commissions you. He commissions you. It isn't just so that you can get on with another day. It's so that you are blessed with this commission and this calling to make a difference in the world that you live in, to make a, a, a change and to bring these disturbing words. They are, don't be surprised when people say, I, I, I don't want to hear that. that is, these, these things are not always going to be so easy for people to take, okay? They're disturbing, but they are, they are beautiful, because they show a caring and loving God. He cares enough and he loves you enough to come into your life and to disturb it, to shake it up, and to say these things. And you're thinking, oh, this is so hard. And he's saying, I know it's hard. I was living on earth. I was there. I had people hating me. They were accusing me of being Satan followers and all these different things. I know I've been there. I can understand what you're talking about. But hold on to me. Hold on to me. Come to me, worship me, give me your life, give me your children, give me everything you have, give me all of your life, and I will show you the true meaning of life. And I have a future for you, and that future is beautiful, and it's filled with hope, and it's filled with with these things that we hear in Revelation, no more crying, no more despair, no more sickness, no more disease, no more fighting, no more war. Those are the things that we long for now. We're longing for heaven. We're longing for that time. And the world, and Romans 8 also talks about even the creation and all the things that we see happening around us that we feel, and, and there is this, this environmental attitude that is important that we must have. We care for the earth. But we also need to understand that there is something happening, something shifting in the atmosphere, something shifting in creation that goes hand in hand with what God is teaching us, that even creation is longing for a new heaven and a new earth. It, just, it isn't just people. It is everything that God created, that yearns for this new heaven and a new earth that God is going to bring. So every aspect of our lives is, is in God's world. It's his kingdom. It's understanding our lives in his perspective. And it's one of authority. It's one we can trust. It's one that is God. Amen? Last word that Mr. Lane said was this. When Jesus arrived and taught in the temple, in the synagogue, when Jesus arrived and called out and said, be silent, come out of him, the disturbance of men by God had begun. The disturbance of men by God had begun. And it led to our Savior going to the cross and brothers and sisters, if we're not disturbed by that, then what will disturb us? 
we're not disturbed by the Son of God going to the cross and dying for you and me because of his great love for us, what will disturb us? May God's Spirit teach us today to listen to his voice of authority and to see the authority in his work that we may not just receive it, but that we are commissioned and we are given a task to decide to follow him. Let us all decide to follow Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for these powerful words from, from, from your word, from Jesus, from his life, and for the way that he tra- changes us and gives us so much. Um, we thank you that you disturb our lives. We don't always understand it, and it's not comfortable, Lord, but you love us, and we believe that because we can see that in our heart of hearts, we know that we do need to change. There is something there that hasn't been right. There is something that hasn't been going right. And I pray, Lord, if there's someone here today who feels that way, that their life has not been complete because they have not been following you, Lord, that they would give their life to you today, that they would follow you. And yes, Lord, they would even raise their hand at this point and say, I follow Jesus. I follow him. I follow Jesus. I follow the one who is calling me and loves me and gave his life for me. I pray, Lord, that you'll just be with everyone in this room and fill us, Lord, in the places where we need to be touched and we need to be disturbed, Lord, so that we can come into your arms and we can receive the blessings that you desire so much to give to us, that our lives will be changed, the unclean spirits will be removed from us, Lord, and that your powerful love will enter in and that the Holy Spirit will come in and replace those unclean spirits. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.